Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. I have decided in lieu of an opening track to leave this thing blank. Try to keep this succinct. Hopefully those who did not hear this podcast before check this out. If not, not a big deal. But I hope that maybe for those on the road or getting ready to get on the road for the Coldest Life reunion, check this out. Um, I've been thinking about ways to talk about this and came up with the things that I feel the most from this and I don't know what you call it but I put something together but before we get to it for those who do not know Saturday October 7th at the Russell Industrial Center in Detroit Michigan this is the home of Tie Down Tie Down Detroit is the foremost ass kicking hardcore fest in the Midwest right now fucking giant amazing success for Curtis and for Jimmy Edgeman printing and they do a fantastic job. They really fucking put something special together and they bring Colder's life back. Back. And not only do they bring it back, but they bring terror, integrity, manball, it hate ink, death threat, never in mind for a shattered realm, death before dishonor, new world man, MH Chaos, D block, the world, poison tongues, and blue sto- blue collar stompers. They bring all this together. To celebrate Born to Land Hard, 25 fucking years of a record that changed everybody. I remember getting it on CD and just being mind blown by the quality, just of the cover and everything in it was so fucking raw. And I remember hearing stories from when they did the last AF show, Coldest Life was crazy. And then, you know, um, Manball. Shouts out CTYC, Ron passes, and then Jeff puts it back on to Manball. They do DMS. You know, it's like this, you know, kinship between Detroit and New York City, which if you know anything about Detroit hardcore and its influence on New York hardcore through Oi and punk rock, you fucking get it. If you don't, you don't. And here we are. We're about to be a part of this, and I just... There's some stuff about modern hardcore and the internet that they just translate poorly. People come up with ideas that don't actually, didn't actually exist and, and takes that are so bizarre and only could be made not by herbs or nerds, but just people that just didn't get what the culture was like at the time. So they create these alternate fictions, like fan fiction of like what 90s hardcore was. And so I paused myself before I did this intro and just... Let what I felt out, and it is what it is, you know? Being a child of the 1990s, in the sense where I was going to hardcore shows as a long hair in the early 90s, into being a full-ass hardcore kid doing hardcore shows by 97, the bright age of 16, that I I saw a lot of the different things, and then I saw a lot of these bands, and when I read the things that these people write about that time period, it's just so blatantly goofy and unrealistic and not what anything was about and the culture the culture of the band kinship the culture of helping each other out the culture of DIY has completely lost everybody so I, I say what I say when I say it and it is what it is I guess before we get to that we do have some Philadelphia hardcore shows worth bearing for the people that listen locally so that they may also support our shit with Cold as Life being this weekend we will fast forward to next fucking Friday 
where we have all that war celebrating f- for those who were crucified. Now, let me say this again. You got for those who were crucified and born in the land hard. On top of tons of fucking other great records all came out. All came out in the last 25, and it came out 25 years ago. But I digress. All at War is bringing their friends, Tombs, Funeral Leech, Big Carl, Strength for a Reason, and Simulacra to the Polish Club, Friday the 13th. Be there, be square. Show's going to be fucking fantastic. Um, Greg Falchetto has one show completely sold out October 14th with Tsunami, and he just announced another one. This one is, I want to I want to say it's almost as crazy, maybe even crazier depending on how you look at it. But, um, yeah, Tsunami and Freight Train. What? <laughs> Tsunami, Mind Force, Life's Questions. <laughs> and this is the uh, nighttime show. They sold at the Jersey show, and now there's now there's a matinee show. This is also at Salty's Beach Bar in Lake Como. Get your tickets October 14th. I'll keep our... That's a, that's a Saturday the 14th. And then Monday... October 16th is Ringworm, Freight Train, and Conduit at the Broken Gauntlet. That's a show that we're co-promoting, hoping people come out. Ringworm, old friends, back in the area, playing a sick-ass venue just outside the city. And they, the hits don't, the hits don't, what did I say? The hits don't stop hitting, right? Um, Bob Wilson's got this crazy two days of blacklisting and unbroken at the church. It's fucking fantastic. Both them shows have been sold out since June. October 29th, we've got uh, Harm's Way with Fleshwater, which in itself is just them back-to-back with the new Harm's Way record. makes total sense. Um, and I think that people really will understand the connection between the two if they checked out the new Harm's Way record. And for those of you who don't, I'm sorry. But yeah, this, tra- this is um, Sunday, October 29th. So Friday, Saturday at the church. Blacklist and Unbroken, Sunday at the Church, Harm's Way, Fleshwater, Ingrown from Idaho, Jive Bomb, and Saba's new band called the Virgos. This is at the First Unitarian Church um, that Sunday. And then also, if we weren't busy enough, we've got at the Brooklyn at the Broken Goblet also in also right outside the city. We just said we just have Ringworm. And it is Darkbuster, which old school, legit Boston, fucking great punk rock, plus the noise, well, noise from the Northwest, Vulture Raid, the noise never played in the Philly either, it's the first time, Vulture Raid, they just opened the Scow Show and killed it, Hard Turf, PA, Hardcore, Old Heads, back with a new band, and this is the Broken Gauntlet, this is October 29th, and then November 4th. It's a combination of two tours. It doesn't even make sense. Pain of Truth, Life's Questions, Vomit Forth, and Koyo. Plus that wild Balmora, Adrian, and X Nomad X. This is also at the Phoenixville show. So, um, or Phoenixville Polish Club, rather. All this shit's at phillyhardcoreshows.com. Tons of shows in the next couple weeks. Um... Keep kicking ass. Keep supporting. Tons of more shit. And we're also ready to start talking about FYA again. Because that's coming up too. We got more shows to announce. So thank you for supporting Philly Hardcore. And again, I I truly mean this when I say this. That 
when I was thinking about all the things that I see on the internet regarding Colder's life and all the, I can't wait till they play. I'm going to do a triple, double, extra salt ninja kick and destroy everybody. Or people are going to show up with their best $900 t-shirts of a band they really only listen to four times on Spotify. It's all nonsense. And I'm here to just give you my little piece on how I feel and what I feel. And what I hope that you may glean some information on. Some of the stuff I think the modern day culture misses about Colder's life and what's going to happen this Saturday. Goodbye. You know, we're about to embark here hours from now to play a show that is going to be stuck in people's minds for quite a bit of time. I'm sure that everybody's aware of the Colder's life reunion, the Colder's life thing has just really come full circle in, in the best of ways. And most people may be aware that Colder's Life from Detroit have returned. There's a band that was a just a spectacle at times, I think. Spectacle in the sense that not in the way that you would think. Like, it's not a clown show, but it was just something different than what a lot of hardcore bands presented in that sense of a spectacle. And, you know, I, Richie Crutch and the guys in 2012, they did their best job to try to bring the real story of Colder's Life to a movie. Bizarrely enough, there's a lot of hardcore people who swear that Colder's Life is one of their favorite bands. And, you know, we're in the hardcore in 2012, but maybe if all these people who were around in 2012, who today swear that they love Cold as Life. Maybe if they donated to the Kickstarter, we could have been seeing this movie as well. But I digress. Cold as Life stood out for a lot of reasons. And for those of you curious enough to want to go all the way back in the annals of the This Is Hardcore podcast, we did Jeff way back... I mean, we're on we're on episode one thirty six, and I did a two almost three hour episode with him on episode twenty eighth, uh, episode twenty eight. Jeff Gunnell's story of redemption. We talk a lot about it, but essentially, this band came from not only the raw city of Detroit, but just came with an edge, came with a sound, came with the the, the real image of a band, and this plays into what I'm going to get into later, but. There's an image today in hardcore where these graffiti logos are more prevalent on t-shirts and merch than in the neighborhoods of these bands where these kids grew up. (laughs) I'll say this again. There's more graffiti on the merch than in the neighborhoods where these kids grew up today. And there's this projection... And this almost sense of like they need to project these things as if uh, had they not have their own projection of something that it would be insincere, not realizing the insincerity is trying to puff up and project and trying to effect something that's not really where they're from, not really a part of their own scene, not really a part of their own life. 
and part of what makes the coldest life story is that no one's going to ever question where this band's from, what this band's about, what these members are about. And to a point where it's not characterized or like, you know, turned into a mockery, but it gets fantasized by people today and because anachronistically they can't understand the way some hardcore bands came through. They're not really from a scene where these kind of people come from. You know, let's be real. A lot of this hardcore scene today found its way from emo, which you don't even call real emo, but we'll use the term emo because it's a fucking catch-all term. And, and it's a metalcore thing, and it's a safe, sterile, corporate nonsense that got them the key over to the underground. And, you know, Cold as Life coming back center stage. A lot of these folks will be traveling here and hoping to see something that they may not actually get to see, you know. Um, and I say this not to, to denigrate anybody, but to really put put it into the to the real to the real world that this fucking cold as life was a band about their own style of hardcore, their own scene, their own group of friends. And because they came with this raw, pure energy, they would eventually attract like minded folks to the point where they were invited by Roger to play at the last Agnostic Front show back in the day to the point where as Madball came about Cold as Life and Madball would be forming friends which ties into the whole story I'm talking about here where this is why Cold as Life has Madball on the bill same thing to be said about you know you go through this whole entire list you know Scott Vogel was from Buffalo do you know how many shows I mean, times I've seen uh, Vogel with Coldest Life merch on. I mean, you know, this was Buffalo, Detroit. They're an intangible part of this entire scene based around the whole Lake Erie thing from the top, you know, into Lake Michigan and this whole lake. I don't even want to call it Midwest because it's almost like it's Northern Lake area more than anything, you know, um, Way back in the day, I did Cold as Life only Philly show to maybe 45 paid. It was Cold as Life, Death Threat, Sworn Enemy, Dysphoria, and a band called Victory Strike, which would later be horror show members and nothing, and you know, up in the Northeast Philly. But, you know, Death Threat again, huge part of when Cold as Life would come through. They would come through Connecticut. They would come through Albany. They would play places like Brockton. They would meet up with the different people. I mean, fuck, even in 2005, Shattered Realm toured with Ramallah. Jeff was guitar player. Shattered Realm, Death Before Dishonor, Ramallah, Suffocate Faster. You know, like we all have these ties. Poison Tongues, Lenny was an Earth Mover. 
blue collar stompers. These are these are native to these people. D blocks a real legit Detroit, the legit fucking the fucking band of the time. That I think like if I look at a band that I think should sound like D block, they're fucking it. You know, I just think of these people that come into hardcore with these goofy fantasy presentations, these ideations of what things are. This kid does a really good. Instagram thing Fort Bragg magazine I commented when he said that the two mo- two of the most important people in the 90s hardcore scene was Saab from Marauder and Homeboy from uh, Kickback and yeah I mean Marauder people love Marauder but at the same time Marauder did not tour anything like what some of these bands all around did. Now granted, people knew the Marauder record. They knew that record, but you they were not as supported now as they were then because they didn't play all the time. Yeah, people in New York saw them a million times. People in New Jersey would see them a bunch, but it wasn't the end all be all until almost the internet age when you can kind of click on Kazaa or something and get these tracks. People put a lot into kickback and the amount of people that went to Europe, like the Crutch guys and the New York people and, you know, sometimes some of the Connecticut and Boston bands, they might come back with kickback merch, but they were an oddity. And this is something people don't understand. It's like if you went out to Europe, bought a European record, you had to pay more because it was imported. So there's import costs. So you were less likely to buy a CD with the import on it. It's what made the Marauder Master Killer CD more expensive than a Victory CD because Century Media was selling it for 15 where the Victory CDs were like 10 out of a record store. The stuff kind of gets pulled away. Doesn't get seen in today's thing, so you just, people just create an anachronistic concept of what the 90s were and what these bands were. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't stick to the history. You know, uh, the bands like Cold as Life and Madball and Agnostic Front and the Troy bands and the Connecticut bands, they lived something at home. They lived not only similar paths, they felt the same way about the world. They had a, a love of old school punk rock and fucking dirty heavy metal. They knew about oi bands, but they also fucked with the hardcore bands that were around them. And there was a kinship. And there was a responsibility at times. If you were a band, especially if you were the band in the area, well, then, yeah, of course, you're going to look out for a band coming through that's like minded or, you know, they come from good parts or you may know them from other things. That was the case for us. Punishment were kids. But because Mike and I had roadied for cold as life, when punishment put those wheels on the road, we got open-armed welcomed by old heads at the time because we had already gone through town as the roadies for this band. And it, and, it, and it paved the way. I mean, we became very close with Lenny and the cold as life guys would look out for us. We talk about that a lot in the episode 28, actually. But what I'm getting at here is this cold as life thing 
it's not a cartoon. It's not a character. This is real life. And because of Dom and Ramona and the people around them, I mean, they Dom did a crazy thing just pulling the records together, getting them to sound even more phenomenal than they ever were, and then using his knowledge of putting out records to get these things back out to the world and the merch and all, it really revived the band in a commercial sense and got people seeing that the vision of Colda's life could come back. But you have to walk into this understanding these are real people with real feelings. And this is a real vibrant scene and there's tons of bands. I mean, (laughs) there's so many characters so many good guys, the Dogs of War guys. I mean, they even had crazy like side bands like the Almighty Lumberjacks of Death and all this crazy shit. And even just cool dudes who were just in the war when the metalcore started off, like the Hyde people, you know. Um, obviously, Earth Mover would eventually become Walls of Jericho. Like, there's this entire contingent of people that all came out of this Detroit scene. And then this Detroit scene would link with everybody from Cleveland and Buffalo, Erie, Pennsylvania. And it didn't matter how you felt, straight edge, whatever you were, if you're a good, solid person and the vibes were there, this band Coldest Life would come and play. We got lucky that Coldest Life would come down to CeCe's. There's a guy, kind of doesn't get, he kind of got lost sometimes in the annals of the, the hardcore scene in Pennsylvania. But, you know, his his couple shows that he did really, really stuck the fuck out, you know? The guy, John, he was in this band, uh, RSB. And he did this show at Labor Day and Cold As Life would come out. Cold As Life would play like CC's and Queens, maybe hit a Long Island show, jump on a Madball show if they could, maybe play up in North Jersey, do a Connecticut show, maybe a Brockton one-to-one show or a Western Mass show. We're always trying to get out on the weekends and they would do what they could. They didn't do a lot, you know? In fact, it was until... The second iteration where Jeff took the vocals and stopped playing guitar, I think they played more often, which is the time period where we did that Sworn Enemy, Coldest Life, Death Threat show. And I mean, it was a Monday night, Northeast Philly, and at that time everybody had the goofy American Nightmare tight pants and belts and hats and were too cool to like Coldest Life, so the show didn't do as good as it could. But again, Punish was out there grinding. We're all like-minded folks, and everybody who was down with Coldest Life all came through and supported. That's what it was like. So some of the stuff that happens today from a younger person's perspective, I'm not saying fuck you guys, but I'm saying that you don't have the concept of what you have versus what the rest of the world had when these things were happening. You know, we have a telephone that tells us every single show. I'm looking at fucking videos from Bangkok and Jakarta and watching bands from South Africa and I'm looking at bands from Australia. It wasn't even possible sometimes to get tapes from those places years ago. Touch of a button, you have everything in your hands, but you know nothing about what the things are you talk about. Let's say this again. You have everything in your hand in front of you And you spend all day on the internet talking like you know something and you know nothing. You create entire characters, caricatures of yourself based around records and bands you've never seen. And places that you create in your mind and then subsequently create a persona that fits with that so you can project it. It's bizarre. It's fake. And it 
is the antithesis of what I'm talking about, which is this shit was real. And I'm not talking about this shit was real violence. No, this was real people. These are people that would come to your aid. These are people that would give you the floor that they had to sleep on. I can't tell you how magnanimous they were with hospitality to the point where you it's a joke, but it's also not a joke. Like we were asked to come to one of their houses. Beast and the deep and then um the Detroit boys invited Dysphoria who no one really parties and no one really drinks. And it was gestured kind of like, Hey, we want you to come here and I felt like we would be rude if we hadn't and we stopped by and we we're like, This is not for us <laughs> But out of the kindness of them inviting us, we stuck around, hung out, because hospitality is everything. Today, I don't even know if bands even give up their floor to the band that's in town anymore. I don't even know if that's something that people happen or if everybody just has money now and Airbnbs or, you know, they all just fucking get hotels or they all know some girl they met off Instagram or Tinder. That's where the fuck they're staying. But this shit was real. Everything was about looking out for each other. And I say this because countless times that this death threats and, you know, Vogels, you know, the Chicago scene, the Detroit scene, Ohio, you know, Joey Knuckles, Columbus, you know, these folks looked out hard for younger bands like us. And we felt not entitled to be peers or equals, but we felt ingratiated like these guys gave us respect because we were doing the same thing they were trying to do the diecast guys the god forbid guys the unearthed guys you know like we were lucky we were we're not even cl- we were never close musicians to them we weren't our bands were never that big but because we were doing the same thing we were given that respect of you're also doing the same thing and this gets lost because everybody's on an even keel Everybody has the Instagram and the Spotify numbers and everybody's got the Twitter. So everybody feels like there's a pure, pure thing and, you know, everybody really understands. But I don't really think that when I read these fucking posts and I see these goofy ideas or assertions about what things were like or what things are going to be like, anyone has any clue of what it was like. Not really understanding it. Not really grasping because you can't see it with your own eyes, you weren't there. And I forgive you for that. But I I don't forgive the ridiculousness. I don't forgive the the fake justified arrogance keyboard chat talk like they can go back in time and talk about something. It's a culture vulture goofy thing to do. And I see it. Everybody wants to be the next one like that. And really what should be celebrated here, if you go back and haven't listened, episode 28 does a great job. In fact, literally we we titled the fucking, we titled the fucking show A Story of Redemption. Because it's about Jeff. It's about what Jeff went through before the band, during the band, after the band, what happened with his family. And now that band is back in his life. And his life is moving forward. Forward. So all these looking back and it's going to be so crazy. And none of these fucking hardcore shows are crazy. Every time there's a huge buildup for something like this, what happens is the first five minutes, everyone blows their load. 
It's like you talk to some girl for six months, and as soon as you get inside of her, it's over, and you're done, and you're out cold. It's embarrassing. This is about a band who did not benefit from a Spotify, did not benefit from a Twitter, did not benefit from an Instagram, didn't instantly have people playing, wanting to see them play because of a band camp. This band sold their own demos and fervishly defended them against people like Rick to Life. Fervishly was against anyone bootlegging their shit. Their hoodies were made for people who live out in the woods. I've never had a thicker hoodie in my entire life. And the motherfucker who stole my fucking uh, coldest life hoodie, I fucking hate you. Because that was my favorite winter tour hoodie to wear. They, they had the highest quality shit you can see. And they played the best they could play. And I've never seen a band like them at that time. You know, a, a great front man usually is up front. Everyone's piled on. But no, they were just... All instrumentalist up front, a hard-ass drummer in the back, and it was just synchronized power and aggression, and it was fucking such a a crazy drastic comparison to some of the other things, but they were always the highlight. Some of the craziest shows, it was always people going through cold as life just blew me away. And I don't know if it was because you you got a chance to see what it was. I mean, Mike DeGook doing the big... Uh, kicks, all three other, I mean, at one point, everyone would be singing certain parts, it was just, it was a menacing look, but the guys were affable, I mean, they they looked the part, potentially terrifying, but, you know, then they were not guys that just bully people around or give take a liberty with anybody, they were ingratiated and kind to the people who said, you know, hey, we loved your set, you know? And it, and it just, they were thankful to be able to travel from their homes, their hard jobs, and be able to play the music they love. And they found likewise people all across this country to do that with. And that ingratiated everybody to Coldest Life. And everybody to Jeff. Because this was the real deal. No smoke and mirrors. No bullshit. Nothing fantasy. No story to sell. And I'll tell you that Jeff's the kind of person that would open his house to you. He would also tell you that because he has all daughters, you guys got to stay downstairs and pee outside if you have to because you're not going upstairs and fair is fair. But countless people and countless bands have been offered the kindest hospitality by everybody in Colda's Life as Colda's Life saw it as, hey, you know, when we travel, we may need help, so we want to help you. And I don't know if that's still around anymore. And that's not the stuff that you see on Twitter. It's not the stuff that you see people beating their balls off to. And I'm here to set it straight. This is this is a great time. I'm so glad that so many younger people can fucking finally get to see this band that they've created is to be this or that. But you know, at the end of the day, I mean when I say like this is a this is a great moment for people like me. You know, you gotta remember I was eighteen in nineteen ninety-eight and you know Got a chance to play with Cold as Life quite a few times and thankfully got to book them at least once. And then we also did the the short reunion <laughs> a couple years back at This Is Hardcore. But I'm playing with people who I looked up to. People I still think of that broke the mold. This lineup, Terror. Who, who better than in modern hardcore than Terror? I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know if anyone really ever wants to play after terror. 21 years, I don't think anyone really wants to play after terror. They're that good. And then to see integrity and hate, integrity and manball back to back, unfucking believable. Like we're living in a time where it's over and now integrity and manball just play shows together. Think about that. That's, that's, that in itself is almost, I feel like I'm living in a parallel universe. And then, you know, the short time where Beast did front cold his life, I, I hate, I mean, the guy's a monster. Hate Inc. is something different. The, the lyrics are just as raw, has that fear, full fury of cold as life in the same kind of vein of that evil, raw Detroit, Detroit hardcore. It's going to be so cool to see them again. And again, I mean, Death Threat. Death Threat are the guys, man. I mean, they've, they've been running a long time. And, and here's Death Threat. Here's a great thing about Death Threat. I was a fucking kid. 16 turning 17, wrote them about playing a show in Philly. And I like, yeah, fuck it. We'll come down. That's how easy it was. All right, cool. You're doing a show. Oh, it's going to be, sounds good. Oh, where's playing? 25 Life. All right, we're there. No booking agent. No, I mean, no one even fucked with that shit. And I mean, <laughs> that's so many years ago. And we're still friends. We're still, I mean, they're still playing. This is hardcore and shows for us. And they're still ripping and rolling. So to me, just the top line of bands with Cold as Life, I, I would have gone to. And then you add, obviously, with the new the new breed of the Detroit world, you need to put this never-ending game on there. You know, they, they belong in the annals of Detroit hardcore history for what they're bringing to the table. And you have Mind Force that people, they, they treat them like they're a new band sometimes. And it's like, dude, been going back with Jay, talking about old bands. And, you know, like it turns out, like he was in a band that Riggs was in, that Kevin Bulldoze put out. And we used to see all the time. It's like serendipitously that these guys been repping hardcore as long as we have. We're about the same age. It's fucking fantastic. Been friends with Brian Depp before Dishonor since the first time I went up to Brockton Mass with Dysphoria. So one of my, I always say that he's one of my best friends in the world, and I'll stand by that. And of the generation of all of our friends' bands, he he never stopped. He never let go, and he pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. And it's fucking fantastic to see him still getting to where he needs to get to with hardcore, that there's getting better and bigger in Europe than they ever were. I fucking love them. They're one of my favorite, all-time favorite hardcore bands. Brian and the bit with the boys work tirelessly, regardless of if they're the most popular band right now with the young kids. They still fucking mull through it. And they still play the shows all over the place. It's fucking fantastic. New World, man. This is a band, like the, it's like a superhero band. I don't even know if you want to talk about it. It's such a superhero, multiple fucking bands all pulled into one. My boys in MH Chaos on Ship Plays in um, Shattered Realm. For many podcasts, I pat MH Chaos as the opening. We helped put out the fucking record for them guys. Unreal. Like I said about D-Block, dude. We played with them two years ago when we first went out to the Midwest again. And just staring there, looking at them dudes. I'm like, alright, this is the kind of band Shattered Realm supposed to be playing with. Um, Maddie from the world. And the world, I mean, they played This Is Hardcore two years back. Been friends with Maddie for so many fucking years. Dude's been 
one of the most talented, good-looking son of a bitches. I hate him, but I love him. Um, and then, yo, Lenny. Lenny is a, another person in Detroit Hardcore who gave up so much for punishment, always looked out for us. We played many shows in Ypsilanti, Michigan together. Um, One of the craziest people. Kind of gets unsung now. Earth Mover and then Poison Tongues. We had Poison Tongues back at the old This Is Hardcore at the Starlight Ballroom. Just fucking sick fucking front, man. Can't wait to see them guys again. And, you know, Blue Collar Stomper. This is more of the stuff that's like, you want to talk about like the back in the day when you would read the CD or the tape for the bands. There's tons of bands like this, like in the back of a cold. Like, you know, shout out to Almighty Lumberjacks of Death. Shout out this, shout out that. And you're like, these, these band names alone sound so fucking crazy. This is what Detroit hardcore was and is about. I mean, they come from the great fucking legacy of the Meat Men, the Necros, Negative Approach, who bizarrely enough are playing tomorrow at the TLA with Fear, which is another crazy show in Philadelphia. But... What I'm saying to you is that this this thing means a lot to a lot of people. It means a lot to be around for the older folks, which I'm now partially a part of. I get to see a lot of my older friends. People I may have not have seen since I was 20 and on my first run with Punishment. Or, you know, when we were touring with Shattered Realm and coming through Detroit about once every six months. It'd be good to see old friends. Good to see bands still kicking it, still doing it. Good seeing the hardcore that we all came in, up, running, being supported by younger people. And that needs to be said. I'm not denigrating people and saying, this hardcore is not for you or gatekeeping. What I'm saying is, is that there's a crazy amount of extra time put on the internet where people just create these scenarios about what these bands are about and what these folks are about. And they just miss the whole fucking raw point of the energy and the aggression that doesn't transfer exactly into the common bond. That happens when the sh- when the music's over and the lights are off and everybody's outside. Maybe a van has a flat tire and everybody helps out. Or maybe Punishment's door falls off for the 15th time. And somebody gets out an old ratchet set and tries to help us get our door back on. Because that fucking happened. 2001 in March. We always had shitty vehicles and we were lucky that anyone ever gave us fucking help. From Philadelphia to Maine to Florida to California to Texas. All over we had fucked up vans and we always had hardcore people helping us. And that's the way it was. And I think that that shit doesn't get seen. I don't think it, I don't think it gets seen because you guys maybe not don't do it enough for your fucking selves. I'm tired of the fucking goofy comic book concepts of these bands and blowing up the idea that some band that you like now has to be more important because thousands of kids who didn't find hardcore until the end of the 2010s into the almost the 2020s decide this band's more important. It's like, that's bullshit. Such small blips on a map versus a huge amount of foundation bands that just get completely fucking ignored because you don't think that they fit in the equation. But you weren't there for the equation. You weren't there from lesson one. You weren't there to lesson 10 and you don't understand the equation because you don't know what you're looking at. Get tired of it. And this is not me being mean. This is me being honest. It's nice to talk hardcore, and I love to talk hardcore with young kids. And I hate to get to the, I know more than you, but it gets old. And listen, I say this also because I completely bizarre ideas of what hardcore was like in the late 70s and 80s till I got put straight. So I'm putting you straight. If you have these crazy ideas about 
what this coldest life reunion is going to be. Maybe to you goofy motherfuckers that buy $700 t-shirts and feel like if you don't re-quote, re-tweet, can we still say, do we still say retweet or now we say quote, re-quote, retweet the new record of some band you want to play with, they're not going to play with you. And the internet stats matter more than anything else. This is the real shit. This is the built on the road, time and time, day after day, year after the do, one hand washes the other, real part of hardcore. No management, no booking agents, making the arrangements, bolstering your band higher than the other band because your numbers are better than their numbers. Just real deal hardcore for hardcore's fucking sake. For friendship, to make a show full of friends possible like this would be the only fucking way. I guarantee you every single band asked to play didn't say, hey, we'll do it for this amount of money. They just said, yes, of course, we're playing. Tell us the date. Shit's not around anymore. It's not around because people have created egos and scenarios in their heads about how they're supposed to act towards each other. And that's why a lot of this stuff is lost on you people. You know, it's not about any of these things. I I say this with sincere gratitude that we have no right to be on this bill. We haven't had music out in years. We've played this town before. And we're just lucky to be a part of the bill. Lucky to be a part of this story in the sense that we get to play early and we get to see something that I was hopeful for for many years. For Jeff's sake. For the sake of redeeming the part of his life that he loved and put so much fucking time in. And the redemption of the work and effort that band put in before the age of the internet, before the age of the cell phone, before the age of one singular revelation being a distro for almost the entire world. They now get to see that the world today of hardcore respects Cold as Life. But I need you to go in there and respect Cold as Life. This isn't a carny show. This isn't people throwing knives and fucking setting fires. And this isn't a prison riot. It's a fucking hardcore show. And it's a ton of people in these bands that have been waiting for this day to play with Cold as Life again. See Cold as Life again. See their friend Jeff again. See their friends Beast and everybody else again. It's not your turn to do the dumb, stupid shit and be the pick-me bitch in the middle of the dance floor. You might even see a bunch of old guys doing shit that has nothing to do with the ninja style and you're going to fucking deal with it. Because I'll tell you what, not everybody moshes the same way. And when I was in Detroit, every time I went, I seen a lot of crazy shit when Coldest Life played. And none of it looked like a Castle Heights show. In fact, I remember when Coldest Life played Castle Heights, and some of them guys who were really the real deal 
IDS hard monsters that you guys all try to mimic, they knew exactly how to put it down on the dance floor, and they didn't look anything like what you guys do because they knew how to dance the fast bands. It's going to be a different game out there. Pay respect to the fact if you're from out of town, you don't get to play by your rules because this is Detroit and shit could be a lot different for you. Not being negative, but there's something that other plays into it that gets completely lost because so much is homogenized and hardcore today. Not everywhere does everything the same way. We go to someone else's town, you play by their rules. Look the part, be smart. Don't just think you get to do whatever the fuck you want because you did it at FYA or This Is Hardcore or, you know, fucking Santa Fury. Because there ain't going to be, not everybody's going to be feeling that shit. That's how it works. That's all I'm going to say about this. I really look forward to it. Emotionally, I, I, I've I been waiting for Jeff to do something cool with Cold as Life. And, you know, at the end of the episode, I didn't think we would ever, the episode I did two years ago, I didn't know if we'd ever do it. Dom brought it to light with the with the recordings coming back. The rest the rest of the pieces kind of came together. And over the past couple months, when everyone's been so excited about the announcement, I just see these goofy takes on what Cold as Life is going to be like. And I just want to set the story straight. There's a realness that's more real than what you have. And it's not in some gangster-fied story. It's not in some aggressive, violent street shit. It's in the realness of what real hardcore people were about before this internet shit dominated. Where you had to make connections. And you didn't make them because you had to make them. You earnestly made them because you guys were all doing the same thing. And it didn't matter if we were 20 and they were in their mid-30s. They were going to look out for us. Be it Ringworm. Be it any of the older bands. Always looked out. Because that's what they wanted when they were younger. And this shit gets lost on you folks. There's a lot of stuff lost on you folks. Create your own bubble of info and ideations. And it's silly. Look forward to Colda's life. I, I appreciate uh, Ramona and Kurt and Jimmy and Jeff for inviting Shadow Realm. I look forward to seeing you all. Look forward to playing Pittsburgh again. AJ does something in hardcore in America that no one else does, and he doesn't get enough attaboys for it. And once again, we're very happy to be playing Preserving Silence. And I'll see you all in the pit, maybe, if I'm not too tired. All right, good night.